everyone, and welcome to another episode of This Is Fine. My name is Bethany Barrett, and I'm here to plant a small seed of how you, as a parent or parent-to-be, can begin to build resilient qualities in your children. Before I get into the nitty-gritty details, I want to preface this podcast by ensuring we all know who the expert is here. I have never had to wake up in the middle of the night to change a diaper or know what it's like to truly feel both the fear and simultaneous joy that comes with raising a tiny human. In my eyes, you, as the guardian, are the expert on your child. Although I'm no expert, I have spent a great deal of time, both personally and professionally, hanging out with some pretty cool kids. I am super passionate about making small changes in children's lives in order to bring as much joy as possible to their everyday experiences. I'm excited to share the copious amounts of research I've done on this topic and hope you can take away an important message from my talk today. So let's get started. Children are like clay, very expensive, loud, crying when you don't give them the right color plate, chunk of clay. As a parent, it is your job to mold your snotty, chubby-cheeked ray of sunshine into a little human that grows to become a model citizen that will create positive change and have great impact on the world around them. (sighs) Not too hard of a task, right? I bet all those books that line the shelves at your local chapters tell you exactly how to not screw up your child. The beautifully bound books probably leave you with an abundance of knowledge that perfectly guides you through the very straightforward path that we like to call parenthood. Hmm, If you're nodding along right now in total agreement, walking over to your bookcase to pull your trusty guidebook off for yet another peruse, all while cuddling your Michelangelo sculpted piece of art, or better yet, enjoying a cup of coffee while the little sweetie is down for their nap, then I encourage you to pause this podcast. Then take a little walk outside your front door and do a victory lap around your yard for all your neighbors to witness, because you, my friend, have it figured out. You don't need me, and you definitely don't need this podcast. Thanks for coming, and I hope you have a lovely day. Oh, wait, everyone's still here? I'm not surprised. Parenthood is messy, children are not perfect angels, and clay is hard to get just right, even though society tells us it has to be perfect. Don't worry, I'm not here to tell you what you're doing wrong. Realistically, the fact that you're taking time out of your day to listen to me ramble when you could be sitting on your couch with a glass of wine watching your favorite garbage reality television show is an accomplishment in of itself. You rock! Pat yourself on the back. Please, relax, maybe with a glass of wine. Honestly, I encourage it. As I tell you how to unlock the magic within your child, and show you how much power a simple hug can have on the mechanisms of building resilience in your little bundle of joy. I know what you're thinking. Magic doesn't exist. We don't live at Disney World, and I'm just trying to put one more thing on your already overflowing plate. I promise this will not topple the mountain of responsibilities you already possess. Heck, I hope it eases your concerns. 
Let's get this started as I tell you what in the world resilience actually is. Resilience is a process that allows us to successfully adapt to our environment, no matter the challenges we face or the circumstances that threaten daily life. Basically, resilience is seen in how people handle adversity and cope with life's experiences. Of course, no one wants to think of their kids experiencing hard times. Maybe you don't see a need to specifically build resilience in their repertoire of coping strategies. This is where we get it wrong. Realistically, all people, including children, will experience adversity. Whether it's not getting picked for a team, being bullied in school, or failing an important test, we need to prepare kids for these hard times. If we don't, then we are fundamentally failing our children and creating an environment that limits their ability to succeed independently. Rather, we need to create a scaffolding that assists them in creating this vital survival skill. Researchers think that resilience is part nature and part nurture, which means some are born with this ability and are predisposed to be more resilient. But it is possible to not only strengthen, but learn these skills. More on this later. I want you to take a second and close your eyes. Think back to a time where you personally struggled, and I mean struggled big time. This struggle challenged you as an individual, and the situation took great personal strength to come out the other end to be the person you are now. Maybe it was a breakup in a major relationship, a loss within your family, a struggle with either physical or mental health, an environmental disaster, or financial endeavor turned sour. Whatever your story, if you make it out the tail end, it is safe to assume you displayed some form of resilient qualities. Let's try and quantify these qualities into a concrete example. I like to think of a toolbox. We can't predict the future, nor should we even try. No matter the lists and the lessons we pour into children, they are individuals with personal beliefs and choices to make. Rather than chart a set course and push, 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 we should instead focus on supporting them and ensuring they have all the necessary tools to conquer anything they face. Resilient behaviors and attitudes are a pinnacle tool in the box. Let's say the hammer. Without the hammer, nails are pretty much useless and cannot serve the intended purpose. If we lack the ability to persevere and work through difficult times, aka resilience, then our children will struggle to succeed. If we teach our children early the qualities of resilience, then we are equipping them for their future and for success. Let's continue to break down resilience into two conditions so we can fully grasp the subject. The first condition states that an individual is doing reasonably well. So not sitting in your car blasting old school Taylor Swift as mascara runs down your face every single day. The second condition is that you're doing reasonably well in spite of significant adversity. So you're functioning to standards that are considered healthy, which again, I assume is not crying in your car as you strive to cope and overcome your adverse conditions on a daily basis. With those two overarching conditions in mind, let's look at the adverse condition which leads to a stress response developing through three stages. 
The first stage is your emotional reaction when faced with a stressor. Do you embody Ice Queen Elsa, completely lose control of your magical powers, and turn everything around you into solid ice? The second stage is your ability to calm down from a difficult situation within a realistic time frame. How long does your trek through the snowy mountains last, belting out your woes into the howling wind? The third and final stage is your capacity to recover and continue what you were doing before you were triggered by a stressor. How long does it take you to just let it go? As much as we all wish we could be the Disney princess that grace at the screens of our child's tablet and have our stressors disappear with a catchy song, this seems slightly unrealistic for us average folks. Let's look into a more everyday example of how a stressor could present itself in your child's life. Say someone grabbed the bucket of blocks away from your child. I'm going to take a wild guess and say their emotional reaction would be something along the lines of a good old cry. Stage one. Stage two looks to what type of skills they possess to overcome this cry within a reasonable set of time. Bonus points if they can overcome this emotion without the help of a trusted adult. Stage three dictates their ability to move forward. Maybe it's making up with their friend to play with the blocks together or finding a new toy to play with. These three stages are not a linear process and children work through them in an individual manner. No, stealing your blocks is not a reason to break down and cry. This behavior can most certainly receive an eye roll or two from any adult in the room, but we need to remember that four-year-old stressors are vastly different than a 40-year-old's. This different in age and developmental stages should not allow feelings to be dismissed. Children aren't faced with pain bills, but we need to validate their feelings and allow them space to be vulnerable so we can teach them how to overcome. Then, when their stress surrounding blocks turns into grown-up stressors, they will have that handy toolbox to draw from. Now, if I've said it once, I've said it an annoying amount of times, but resilience is a tool everyone should have no matter their situation. This is not to say that everyone will use their toolbox in the same way, but just that it won't sit on a shelf in your attic collecting dust. Social inequalities play a large role in determining the manner in which someone pulls out their hammer. Risk factors are present within our social framework, and it is important to be aware of all the possible mechanisms that initiate resilient behaviors. I could be here all day discussing the various levels and kinds of risk factors, but I'm going to highlight just a few. Kids exposed to mental illness, addiction, alcoholism, abuse, criminally involved parents, poverty, war-torn communities, bullying, issues in personal relationships, and many more. Wow, that is one hell of a list. I don't know about you, but that scares me a bit. It scares me that there are so many factors that could harm a child's development to the point of ingraining deeply traumatic life experiences at a vulnerable age. It scares me that our world is built in such a way that allows for great harm to occur and children fall through the cracks. Scary, scary, scary. In an ideal world, we would have much more social supports for parents and children. This conversation could continue 
and we could really dive into a pit of despair speaking to the dangers society poses to our children. Please hand me some tissues, maybe a Xanax. I admit, I'm being a bit dramatic. So let's take a step back and recognize that all these environmental hazards that threaten our well-being also come with a long list of protective factors. These protective factors act like a superhero shield and influence our response to stressors in our life. They arise from within the family and the community, which can be classified into two categories, internal and external. Internal factors are characteristics that individuals possess, which specifically influence their actions and behaviors. Internal factors include elements of child's intelligence, their ability to make friends, as friends and social support have great effects on children's development. Finally, a very important internal factor is the ability to regulate their behavior. Think back to a few moments ago when we discussed the blocks and the child's ability to calm themselves down. It's all related. External factors are considered to be things that occur within the environment that affect individuals, such as school, work, community, and family factors. Support networks are a massive part of external factors as social support is necessary for healthy development. Competent parents and friendships are major factors, as well as effective schools. These factors are important to view within one's life context while controlling for culture and developmental stages. Everyone has different values. For example, faith is considered a fundamental aspect for some families and not others. This would influence protective factors accordingly. So the world is a scary place and there's no denying that. But there is an abundance of mechanisms that can work together to protect our children in a variety of ways. No, there's no material bubble that we can purchase that allows our children to be protected no matter what life literally throws at them. But every protective factor we ensure is strong and mighty can create a significant cushion for anything that comes their way. As always, do not forget that toolbox we are building. It is okay to be scared. Monsters are everywhere, but we have to understand that fighting them is just a part of life. To be scared is showing that you care, which is the first step in any battle. Okay, wait a minute. Parents and all caregivers are important? I thought you were just on earth to wait on your child's every need, supplying yummy but nutritious food, scrubbing the house from top to bottom, and opening up your wallet for their every want and desire. No? You, you have another purpose? Whoa, that might be news to your kids. I'd hate to be the one that has to break it to them. All right, all right, I'm just kidding around, but I'm sure some of those days you have that feeling. The feeling that you are just a worker bee and everything you do goes unnoticed and underappreciated. I'm no expert, but as a professional daughter, I can say it took me a long time to realize the great personal sacrifice my parents made for me growing up. Now that I've moved away from home, I'm shocked to see how my relationship with my parents is so different than my friends. 
After a few rough years of me being the average horrid teenager, my mom is literally my best friend. I call her every single day without fail, send her pictures of what I made for dinner, and tell her almost everything going on in my world. I feel very grateful for her and everything she does for me, and truly believe that what I'm about to say about parents is entirely true. As a disclaimer, I understand that not everyone has the same experiences with their parents. It can be very complicated, but I would think that your goal as a current parent is to foster a pretty awesome relationship with your kiddo. So I'm basically telling you it's definitely possible, even if it's not your personal experience. Let's take a step back and uncover why you're more than a personal maid and chef. First and foremost, Children's learning and development occurs primarily within the family context, and you as parents are recognized as your child's first and most influential educators. Whoa, that's a lot of responsibility. Basically, children are big copycats. Monkey see, monkey do. Therefore, everything you put out into your world, your children will pick up, including potty language, so be careful. How you shape your environment is incredibly important and weighs heavily on their development as a tiny human. This is why it's imperative that you're taking care of yourself and ensuring that your needs are met. Your child is not your whole life, but they are a big chunk of it, and working yourself to the bone is not healthy. Boundaries and self-care go hand in hand, and in order to create a positive environment, look to yourself first and make sure you are doing all right, because struggling is not the answer. I can assure you that the love your kids feel for you would be crushed to know that mommy or daddy is breaking their back to make their world sunshine and rainbows. By taking care of yourself, you are taking care of your children. Guilt and shame are real feelings, but should not be all-consuming in this sense. Please, please, please rest and recover. Burnout is real, and you need to use your toolbox to ensure you are a well-oiled machine. Up until now, I've just told you how important resilience is. Maybe you're thinking, I get it, resilience is important, but how do I implement this into my daily life? Well, not that I'm a mind reader, but I have a pretty fabulous answer to your question. Two super smart academics, Alford and Gross, made a list of eight steps a family can make to build resilience in their children. Get out your pen and paper because these eight steps are coming in hot. The first step is to actively teach children and families problem-solving skills and ensure the parents are modeling the learned behaviors. No crying over spilled milk in your household. If something goes wrong and you're feeling overwhelmed, let your child see that. Then show them how you handle that emotion. Here's an example. Daddy is having a big feeling right now because I just broke the dishwasher and there's water everywhere. I'm going to take five big deep breaths to get myself back into a chill zone so I can fix my problem. Will you help me by counting my big, deep breaths? Not only are you modeling positive coping strategies, but you're including your child in the exercise, further imprinting positive actions in their minds. 
The second step is to encourage the expression of feelings. Having emotions is normal. No one is a robot. Create space in your home for feelings to be shared and relationships will be stronger for it. It's okay for dad to be upset about the dishwasher. It sucks. As long as we are appropriately dealing with the feeling, then you are on the right path. The third step is to identify strengths and positive family experiences. What does your family really excel at? Maybe it's sharing feelings. If not, how can you become better at this as a unit? The fourth step is to foster self-esteem. One of the best ways to do this with children is to give them a responsibility that they can accomplish and master. Maybe it's pouring the milk for family dinner or popping the popcorn for family movie night. Whatever it is, make sure it's developmentally appropriate and is done with an air of fun. Praise goes a long way in the child's life. The fifth step is to teach optimistic thinking. The glass is always half full. Can you fundamentally alter the way you perceive situations? Right now, it is December 2020, and we are all feeling the COVID blues, especially having to isolate and miss out on important events. So instead of being really sad about the things we cannot control, use this opportunity to model optimistic thinking. Here's an example. I know we are upset about not being able to travel to Cuba this year, but let's take this time to explore our hometown. I wonder what type of adventures we can discover. You are validating their feelings and then shifting the nature of the conversation to something positive, which is awesome. The sixth step is to teach cognitive strategies. One strategy is called changing the channel. When a thought is unproductive, Maybe it's not optimistic. Can you pause the thought with your brain's TV remote and go to another channel? This is a form of thought stopping and is shown to be a positive coping strategy for children. The seventh step is to teach relaxation and self-control techniques. I don't know about you, but family yoga night with cucumber water and Zen music sounds pretty bumping to me. Finally, And this one goes out to you parents. Teach parents that the critical factors in fostering resilience in children are warmth, limit setting, and consistency. You have a huge role to play, like I've previously mentioned, and you set the tone and environment for your children's resilience growth. So there you have it, eight steps to follow. I would recommend implementing them one at a time. There's no need to change overnight. Consistent effort will make all the difference, and I'm positive you will see changes in the overall functioning and well-being of your family. Remember way at the beginning when I mentioned the idea of magic? How rude that I've made you wait this long to see what I mean. Well, worry not. The wait is over, my friends. But first, let me introduce you to Anne Mastin who is quite possibly the fairy godmother in this field. Mastin is a leading researcher on the topic of building resilience in children and speaks to a pivotal notion of ordinary magic. Fairy dust and spells are not required for building resilience in children, although that would be really cool. Early researchers thought that children who displayed resilient behaviors in the face of adversity had some special quality, a magic power of sorts, 
which helped them navigate difficult times. These researchers were incorrect as it was found that every single child has the ability to be resilient. Every child has this magic power to overcome adversity. The magic is within your child and every time you give your child love, like a simple hug, you strengthen that magic and build their toolbox. Keep these ideas that we discussed in the back of your mind as you parent your children. But remember, you are one of the most important parts of building resilience. The magic is there and you are the key to unlocking it. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I hope the rest of your day is filled with lots of hugs and happiness with your little kiddos. This is Fine, a podcast about stress, burnout, and resilience, was created by students at Mount Allison University. The students created each episode as part of a fourth-year psychology class called Stress, Burnout, and Resilience, taught by me, Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton. There's a link in the show notes to access the full script with references. You can also go to mta.ca slash psychology and click on the This Is Fine podcast link. Episodes were recorded at the CHMA studios in Sackville, New Brunswick, or over the internet when that wasn't possible. Script assistance, podcast basics, and training were provided by Matt Tunnicliffe. Music and audio production by Jeremy Dahl at palebluedotstudios. Thanks for listening and for supporting these students' foray into the world of podcasting.